And I've got check marks. That means I'm, that means we're live. And just give it a second here. People start to pop in. Right on. Yeah, I can see some people there now. All right, let me play the intro and we'll get going. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. All right, everyone, welcome, welcome. Uh, uh, thanks for joining us. I'm, I'm here with Kelly Nelson from TCI Business Capital. Kelly, how are you doing today? Excellent. Thanks for thanks for having me. Uh, why don't we start off by getting to know a little bit about you? Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, your career with TCI and how you got into the the, in the factoring industry? Sure. So um, I've been with uh, TCI for this will be my twelfth year. Um, we're starting, and uh, before uh, I worked with TCI, I actually owned a mortgage company for uh, eight or nine years, and um, I, and that happened to coincide with uh, 08, 09, which was the uh, <laughs> the housing market crash, you know, so I had to go and uh, find something else to do and and uh, came across an, an ad and I had never even heard of factoring, you know, prior to, you know, and I've been in finance for years, but yeah, I ended up uh, being with TCI for the last 12 years and and it's been a, it's been great. And, and obviously the company's been around since before that time. Can you give us a little bit of sort of the history of TCI? Yeah, yeah. Uh, TCI has been around since 1994. And uh, I think it's been five or six years now that um, a local bank called Fidelity Bank uh, here in Edina, Minnesota had purchased uh, TCI and um, we're still able to, you know, offer, you know, funding throughout the, uh, the entire United States. Great. And now here's the big question. What, what exactly is factoring? I've talked about it before on my YouTube channel, but I'd like to hear from an expert if you wanted to explain to people yeah. what the factoring process is. Yeah. So with, yeah. with factoring, what it is, is um, you haven't, you've done work for, you know, yourself, either you're doing you're, a lot of companies that we work with, you provide a service a lot of times. And uh, so they'll have an invoice that they would turn into their customer for payment. Well, that customer may not pay for 30, 60, 90 days. And that's obviously a long time to wait. Uh, your bills don't wait 30, 60 or 90 days. So with with us, how we do it is we'll get them paid right away on uh, usually about a 90% advance on the invoice. And then we give them back the remaining 10% less our fee when that customer pays. Again, 30, 60, 90 days down the road. And uh, um you know, it just helps that cash flow. So they can turn those invoices into cash to help, you know, typically grow their business or sometimes, you know, just keep afloat. And, and so, you know, when we think about that, basically what you're doing is in any industry that largely we're talking about business to business industries where you're submitting an invoice to your customer and they take some time to pay you back. Um, if you're going to double the size of that business, you'd have to double the operating capital you have this this factoring is kind of a way to to grow without having to actually come up with the money to finance your own receivable expansion yeah absolutely and so if you're able to um you know what i always say what i usually tell my customers is if they can you know find the work um they can they can find you know the contracts in order to to make this work if they're dealing with good companies that have, you know, decent credit, because that's really what we care about most more than anything with factoring is their customer's ability to pay. Are they credit worthy? And so if they are credit worthy, then we allow them to grow as fast as they want to grow, you know, which, you know, other you know, lending options are very, oh, you got to grow incrementally. You can't just, you know, go from zero to a hundred thousand, you know, with us is, Hey, if you have that ability to do that and you're working with good, solid cust uh, customers that have the ability to pay, we encourage it. We want them to, to grow as fast as they, they can, if that's their choice. 
so your onus then on if, on underwriting the transactions you're involved in is not necessarily on the business selling the receivable to you. It's on who ultimately is going to be the one that pays that receivable. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's there's still some background stuff that we always want to check out with the owner, right? I mean, so the things that underwriting is typically going to look for is they're going to look at, hey, is whether not really so much if they have good credit or bad credit, it's more on the lines of do, you know, make sure there's no financial fraud in somebody's background or, you know, we really frown across, uh, upon uh, violent crimes as well. Um, and then also the other thing is, hey, you're, you're just not starting up this company to run away from past problems as well. So, you know, that's, those are the, typically the the things that we're initially looking for. But again, um, uh, those minor things that are usually not an issue, uh, then it really comes back on, yes, the, uh, their customer's ability to pay. Well, I'm just I'm trying to imagine somebody who ends up finding you and and, and contacting you because, uh, you know, a business owner who might be growing quickly or struggling to find ways to to cover expenses while they wait for their customers to to remit payment. I mean, that business owner might get into a lot of other different kinds of debts and things trying to trying to cover that ground. So when they learn about factoring and they reach out to you, they they might have a credit report that says that they're maxed out on their credit card and all these other kinds of things. And so this is one of the one of the key things why it's not specifically the kind of thing that you're so much interested in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So we don't it, we don't really care if they're maxed out on their credit cards or anything like that. Again, it's going to be mostly on the lines of can we you know get their customers approved so we can you know feel safe about buying the the invoices to help with that cash flow. Now, you you mentioned when you explained how factoring works that when the invoice is submitted to you, you give an advance against that invoice. Mm -hmm. That's cash the company can then use. And then ultimately, when you receive the money for the invoice, you then submit the balance less your fee. What, what typically is the cost of factoring? Yeah, that's it's a good question. With our programs, and I know that we don't do like a one size fits all, right, in, in regards to that. Um, so typically our customers will be doing at least $30,000 of revenue a month. And then, you know, we go up to say, you know, nine or $10 million revenue at open-ended at any given time. And so um, if somebody's, you know, billing out, you know, 30 to 50,000, maybe the rate's going to be in, uh, you know, probably the 3% range, maybe a little higher if it takes a long time for those invoices to pay. Um, and if it's, uh, you know, 300, 400,000 or a million dollars a month that can get, drop down to, you know, two, 1%, you know, range as well on that invoice. And it's all tax deductible. They can write it off. No different if they had, you know, a business loan in, you know, in, in regards to that. Well, you know, in, in having conversations with some people who use factoring, I've often heard it um, compared with accepting credit cards. Because if you accept a credit card, you have some kind of small merchant fee, obviously, that gets deducted for Visa, MasterCard, right. whoever the issuer is. And it's it's almost the same kind of thing with you, isn't it? That the you know, person is basically exchanging this small fee in order to get paid more quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it just in to take on a lot, I just see so many of our customers, you know, especially like our staffing customers where they have... Um, you know, they have ability to add people and grow quickly. And so they need to know that they can pay those people they have place, right? So knowing that they have us in place, you know, they can really focus on finding the the placements in, in growing their business. I mean, as a really good example of somebody that can go, we've seen so many of our so many of our customers in general, but I say like a lot of our staffing customers that will come to us doing twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month. And there I could probably show you at least ten to twelve examples of clients that were able to go from that to three to four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars in revenue in just a short few months um, by having us covering their their being able to know that they're gonna have their payroll covered you know, to, to keep those people happy because you miss one payroll, it's over, you know, unfortunately for, for those businesses. Well, let's use staffing as an example, because I think mm -hmm. it, it's, it's easy for people to imagine uh, how this 
you know, the issue that, that this service resolves. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you are a staffing agency and you're, you know, maybe you've got uh, people that uh, unload trucks or work in a warehouse, for example, and those people expect to be paid every second week or maybe every week, but you might be submitting invoices to your client, the freight company, and they might be taking 35 or 40 days to pay you. And so the, the, under normal circumstances, that personnel company would have to be able to cover two, maybe three payrolls before their check comes in from their customer. Yeah. And so, and this is the gap that you guys saw. Yeah, absolutely. And so just having that peace of mind of knowing that those people are going to be, you know, they're going to meet not, you know, the payroll needs, the insurance needs, you know, the day-to-day -day needs is just what allows our customers to really focus on the things that are important outside of having that cash flow. And that's, you know, finding ways to grow their business. So if I'm a company and I decide I'm going to start selling some of my invoices to, to a factoring company, what, what does it look like mechanically? Like, what am I doing? Do I send copies of the invoices to you? Like, and, and how does it, how does the customer find out that they're supposed to start paying you instead of paying me? Yep. So in regards to that, when we always find out, right, how are you invoicing your customers, right? So that's one of the things that we find out. So a lot of times, uh, you know, they'll include us on an email when they're submitting it into their customer for payment. Uh, sometimes we're, you know, we're seeing more and more technology in businesses. So we are seeing where customers are uploading their invoices into uh, to get paid. And so if they're doing that, then typically they just will give us a read-only thing so we can see that the invoices have been uploaded uh, into the portal. And, you know, we buy approved invoices. And so there's so many ways that that can happen, right? So uh, sometimes, depending on the business, they'll get a signature on, on something saying that the work is approved. Um, but the, probably the most common way that I see these days uh, is that um, is they're getting either a digital signature uh, through a portal or they're getting an email from somebody authorized at that company that'll simply include us on that email um, saying approved in the body of the email. And that's sufficient for us to, to purchase those invoices. Okay. And, and then what happens? Because under normal circumstances, if I'm running a business, my accounts receivable people are going to be keeping an eye on my outstanding invoices and maybe they'll, they'll have a series of procedures, you know, after so many days, maybe they'll reach out and follow up on those, on those invoices, et cetera. What does it then look like for those invoices that have been sold to you guys? Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure most of the factoring companies, um, not, I guess not all, but most of them will have a way, you know, with, you know, specifically for us, we have a great online portal where they can log in 24 seven and see exactly what invoices that we've purchased, um, any fees associated with their account. And then also ours is like real time. So that means if we were to receive payment uh, today and we apply that payment, it's going to reflect on our customer side the same day, which which is nice. So they always know that, hey, you know, if we're doing a, a fee that is based on daily interest, they want to know when that payment comes in. So they can, of course, make sure that uh, they know what exactly what fees and maybe what they're going to be getting in reserves coming back on that, that typically that 10% less our fee upcoming. Okay. And so are you guys, you guys are talking with my customer in this scenario? Yes, you did ask that question. And yes. So what we do is we reach out um, via, usually via email to uh, the accounts payable uh, contact. It's not, it's almost never the, the person that our customer is working with on a day-to-day -day basis. And all we're doing is, you know, letting them know that, hey, we're the funding partner for XYZ company. Um, we just need to confirm that these invoices um, are good, haven't been paid, and that, you know, until further notice that they'll uh, pay TCI um, on these invoices and give specific routing information or check information where they would mail those checks. Now, the checks, this is important, is that those checks will still say, um, or the payments will still say our customer's name, um, but it's just sent to us versus directly to the customer because, you know, we, TCI doesn't make a dime, you know, or 
any money until these invoices are paid. So uh, we need that's just one of our ways of security to you know to ensure that uh, that we get paid. So so my customer would still write out a check to me, but the check would go to you instead. Is that, did I understand yeah, that correctly? Yeah, they'll the your the cust your customer would make out the check with your company name. Um, but if it, they're mailing it, then it would be sent to our our bank's lockbox, Fidelity Bank that owns us. Um, if it's an ACH, it'd still say the ACH, but again, the routing number and, and all that stuff would just simply be sent to uh, to us. So my customer would then just get different payment instructions, you know, send it to this number or this account or, or what have you. Yeah. So what we always do is we ask our customers when uh, on the initial part, uh, the initial side of it to give us um, good accounts, payable contacts. We typically will say, hey, you know, for speed wise, right, because a lot of times that's one thing that I will say is um, that we've seen is th that holds us up. Right. So we can do the month to month agreement and all that stuff and get all that part of it done quickly. What we find is that the thing that can hold us up the most in getting it funded quickly is that the accounts payable will not, you know, always respond right away to us. So we do ask our customers say, hey, um, we're looking to, we're gonna be using TCI as a funding partner. Um, nothing much will really change except where the money is sent to. Uh, can you please make sure that you respond to their email um, and then we give them that information usually up front so they can make sure they reach out to their customer uh, to give them that information. And, you know, once it's kind of set in place and it's, you know, easy, you know, moving forward. We, everyone, we've got, uh, we've got people who are starting to leave messages uh, in the chat. Uh, Victor says, hi, David. Hi, Kelly. Looking forward to hearing all about factoring today. Thank you very much. It's yeah. going to be a great conversation. And we have a few other people that are asking some specific questions and we will get to them all. So if yeah. there is something that you want to ask, just put that into the chat and, uh, and probably in another 10 minutes or so, we'll start to bring those up on the screen. But um, so historically, Kelly, I can remember back when I was in university in the 90s, um, I remember a prof was discussing factoring in one of the classes. And one of the things that he said uh, was that there, you know, there can be some hesitation from some companies fearful of the message it might transmit to their customer if they're told, oh, you have to pay this other company. Um, I think at one time, you know, selling your receivables was seen as some kind of, uh, uh, you know, a, a demonstration that there's something wrong with your business. Can you talk a little bit about about those perceptions and maybe how things have changed in the last couple of decades? Yeah, no, and that's still, that's a very good thing. And so we still will hear that concern, right? When somebody calls up initially, they're like, oh man, what, what is this going to look like? At the end of the day, you know, if those guys, I mean, there's ways to look at it. I mean, what I always really tell our customers is, hey, if your customer was paying you right away, you know, obviously you wouldn't need a service like this. However, it's it's not a big deal. And what I always try to tell them is like, we got customers that are doing multiple millions of dollars a month in revenue that we're, are using a factoring company. So don't look at it as a negative that we are just simply an extension, um, a funding partner for your company. And we don't make it, in my 12 years, I've never seen us lose a customer by letting them know that they're gonna use a factoring company. It's still, a, I, I understand the concern because again, it's their business and they're they're putting it in they're our hands to make sure to make sure that the um, that we're treating their customer well and doing all that stuff and that's why I think it's so important when people start looking at uh, funding partners they look at the reviews on these companies you know again we've been in business you know for a long time since 1994 we're a plus rated with the Better Business Bureau and if you read our reviews it's there's you're not going to see things that say, "Oh, they wrecked our relationship with with our with our um, company that we're working with" or anything like that. It's usually very positive, helping their cash flow. Would would it be safe to make the analogy that you're kind of like an outsourced accounts receivable department? Yeah, absolutely. And and so you know, again, that just goes back to sometimes the concern initially, right? As some type people say, oh, I don't really want you, you know, talking to my customer or doing anything like that. And so the one of the things that we really 
take that seriously, right? And so, you know, once somebody, I will say, once somebody gets used to us and they know us and trust us kind of thing, then they love the fact that, hey, we're not, if their customer pays in 30 days, we're not reaching out before 30 days going, hey, where's our money? You know, but let's say it gets out to say day 35, you know, once they, you know, we'll reach out in a customer friendly manner, email and just say, hey, we noticed that you paid on these invoices, but these haven't paid. Is there anything that you need in order to, um, to get these to fund or any questions. A lot of times what we'll find is that, you know, maybe it's missing a signature, maybe the totals aren't aren't the same, or, you know, in some cases, maybe they, you know, their customer doesn't have uh, the ability to pay at this time or isn't gonna pay. But again, we always wanna make the, the customer feel uh, comfortable. So if the customer wants to do those follow-up things, they just include us on uh, the emails and we make sure that, you know, we we are apprised of uh, things if there is issues. And so we just work in coordination to make the comf our customers feel um, that they still feel like they have a say. Um, but again, most of the time, once you start working with us, you're like, man, I, you guys handle that. And I'm going to go keep focusing on, you know, ways to grow my business in, instead of, you know, chasing the money part of it. What happens if someone doesn't pay the invoice? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So um, we actually will say that, uh, most of ours are, are going to be set at, you typically, we call it 90 days recourse, right? So if we haven't received payment, let's say in 90 days, then TCI has the right to obviously have our customer buy back those invoices and then they can go and collect on them. Uh, now, if we feel like we get to day 90 and, you know, we feel like, you know, the customer's working with us they say that you know checks in the mail kind of thing of course we'll continue to go past 90 days 150 days is really like that cutoff that you know dead date you know kind of like hey then we absolutely they need to buy it back kind of situation um and then the other the other scenario would be is if let's say we had a customer we get out to let's say they're a 30-day paying customer and we hear on day 35 from their customer they are not going to pay that bill, right? They're, that invoice, they're just not going to pay because they don't agree with whatever. Let's say something was wrecked in transportation and it becomes an insurance thing. Uh, as an example, then of course, then our customer is going to, at that point, gonna we're going to have them buy back that invoice and they can collect on it, you know, starting from that point. I, I always like to, you know, Worst case scenario kind of situation that's always good for, for people to know. But if as long as we can continue, feel like we can get paid, of course, we're going to work with uh, our customer and their customer to, to work out a resolution. So you just gave the example there of like, for example, goods being damaged, right? Uh, yep. and, and so if someone doesn't want to pay for broken machinery, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, can you give us an idea of what kinds of invoices or for what kinds of products or services are better suited to factoring versus others? I know, for example, in construction trades, it's this is not very often an opportunity for them. Yeah, I like that. Construction's a good one. And the reason being is because there's a lot of um, can be chargebacks, short pays if they they do the construction and then they may initially sign off. Um, and there's also what's called progress billing or milestone billing, where there's certain thresholds. The, the problem that we see with the construction industry is they'll say it's 30% 30, 30 complete, right? But they won't have line items that total out to get to that 30%. So that makes it, it tougher for us if there ever was a, a non or short payment to have to go back and try to, uh, to reconcile those invoices where as if 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 it's you know we'll do like we do a lot of construction if it's like telecom for instance telecom bills those people are putting in drilling per foot or pulling x amount of like fiber optic wiring so it's all per foot billing which is super easy to you know to pay um to to reconcile and it's really straightforward so anybody that's we see a lot of service businesses that use factoring um I'd say it's probably the number one industry. Uh, you know, 
the other one that isn't kind of it's that's really niche is obviously construction and then also if somebody has like a medical center and they're billing an insurance company again short pays um offsets things that really hard take that take up a lot of time for a factoring company to try to reconcile and figure out just more risky yeah, I remember once I was I was given a tour of a hotel before it opened and there were still some trades on site. And I remember walking down one hallway and there were basically these little like sticky tabs all over the walls, all over door frames and yeah. stuff. And I said, what, what are all these little tabs? And someone said, well, this is the inspector came along to inspect the painting. And these are all the Nick's chat, little dings, scratches, etc. cetera, uh, since the painter's been here. And they knew that some of these little dings were not even the fault of the painter. They were other people that bumped into door frames or whatever, yep. but they weren't going to pay the painter until he came back and fixed them all. And, yeah. and, and that's the kind of thing you're talking about. So yeah. even if he had created his invoice, um, they're not going to pay it until all those things are rectified. It could add several weeks to the payment cycle. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, there are companies, factoring companies that are that specialize in those things. And, you know, people just have to expect if they're going to use that type of funding for those specialty trades, that they're probably going to pay a premium, you know, kind of for for that. I've got some interesting questions here that are starting to show up okay. and, and maybe we can address a couple of these. Sure. Uh, reading Dave says we have a few customers which we extend 90 days before we start adding interest. So do you see that in the in in different industries where some people will have sort of special arrangements to give people longer terms? And and is is this a scenario where someone could decide to factor those invoices? Yeah, I mean, so what we do have customers that will factor, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh Anheuser-Busch, we have a customer that we factor right now. They pay in 134 days. And so we are okay with it just due to the fact that we know it's going to be based on those companies being super credit worthy though i mean so anything past 90 days uh their customer should have some really good depth to them age to them showing and their ability to pay uh you know and then but yeah we we see that all the time okay and are there scenarios, I mean, you mentioned uh, a big company like Anheuser-Busch. Mm -hmm. Are there scenarios where you're approached by someone who wants to look at factoring for the first time and you may already be be servicing those end customers with other clients of yours? Yeah, we see that all the time. Um, it, so many industries where, uh, you know, I have one today where it's an oil field uh, client uh and they, we have a great working relationship. So, and you know, when we got invoices for them and they, yeah, it's, it's makes it so much easier, uh, you know, when we already have that relationship and we already know those accounts payable people and all that stuff, it can really make the, the process uh, as smooth as possible and makes it uh, very easy. Uh, another question here from Reading Dave, and it's along these same lines. Do you find that in some of these instances, you're actually better able to give customer service than the than the company you're buying the the invoice from? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a because again, we're just going to reach out in just the most customer friendly possible way, and just to to get those. And we'll probably, you know, we're going to want to just work with uh, the customer if possible. And a lot of times what we'll see too is we'll include our customers in on that conversation, those email conversations, because you know, sometimes it'll jog our customers like say, oh, that's right. This one isn't going to pay, invoice going to pay because of this. So again, I think mostly it's just really frees up their time to focus on other things. And uh, again, we're doing it in a customer friendly way, but yet still trying to get what everybody wants and that's to get the invoice paid and uh you know shorten up the the fees as much as possible i you know i would imagine if you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of invoices you know you're talking about your fee but at the end of the day if a company chose to simplify and streamline its process through doing factoring it may mean being able to have maybe a, one less person in their administrative setup, you know, the, to, oh, to yeah. handle receivables. So, so yeah. this could actually be very efficient for some people. 
Absolutely. And it, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of one of those catch 22s. Yes, it's we're going to help their business do that. Unfortunately, yes, it may uh, cost somebody their job, but it can absolutely save that company, you know, a $50,000, $60,000 employee that they no longer need. That's what their job was, right, is, is doing the follow up and doing all that stuff. It can more than offset a lot of times what any factoring fee would be. is. So that's that's a very good point that you brought up. Kevin says, good afternoon from Central Florida. Hey, Kevin, good to yep. see you there today. Um, a question here about single invoices. Would you would you fund a single invoice? Is there a minimum dollar amount? So with us since we don't charge any upfront fees to get somebody set up for factoring and we do incur a lot of uh of cost you know with searches and making sure you know underwriting and all that stuff um since we don't pass off that cost to our customer for setup that so we we're just one of the companies that do not do that there are some that will what that will do that uh they usually charge um a setup fee and it can be really cost prohibitive just to to purchase a single in a single invoice there's a lot of there's a lot more risk for the the funding company obviously just purchasing one invoice versus multiple invoices due to the fact if that one doesn't pay then you have to go through you know throw so many steps to to try to you know to get that money on those on that single invoice or singular you know just a couple even yeah. So even though your your underwriting process is more streamlined and there's there's certain things you're not really looking for, you still have to go through and do certain checks and balances before opening an account for someone. Um, how 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 do things change over time? Like if I start selling invoices to you today, do you go back and and reexamine my scenario? Am I going to have to submit financial statements to you every year? What what sort of ongoing reporting requirements mm -hmm. do you ask for? to do this sort of financing? Nothing, and that's a, a good question. There's, we don't add, offer, you know, we don't ask our customers, no matter how, what size to do, you know, financial reports or anything, audits or anything like that. We are ultimately, you know, just the uh, making sure that, you know, they're working with good customers is really the only thing that, you know, that we're consistently doing throughout, you know, the process of, of funding. Okay. If, if someone was buying a business, if I, if let's say I, I bought a business and I decided I want to start doing factoring of the receivables in this business. Um, and you like, would, would the fact that I'm a new owner have any kind of impact on, on my ability to do that? No. And so what we would do is if we do see it all the time where companies, uh, where we'll call us up and, Hey, we're, we're looking to buy the accounts receivables along with this business. So uh, sometimes it's to clear off the old invoices from the old owner so they can have a free and cut, you know, clear cut. Um, hey, I've, I've invoiced these. Um, we want them off. We want that old owner to be, you know, free and clear on that. And then also then they have a, plan for the new ownership. The new owner has a, a clear cut uh, way to fund their business moving forward. And so we'll, we'll uh, a lot of times purchase existing, I call them aged invoices, stuff that's already been submitted to their customer uh, for payment. Um, a, to, to either use that as down payment or clear them off the books. And so that can either happen uh, depending on how it's all set up, we've seen it. You see it all over the board in regards to. Sometimes it'll happen the day that a the company is being purchased by the new owner. Sometimes, you know, I get uh, the scenario would be as I had a guy today where um, the old owner is still going to be on in some capacity. So we're going to set up the 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 new the the current owner who is about to be a minor role in the company uh, for factoring and then. We'll just add on the uh, the new ownership uh, once that actually transpires. But then again, they'll already have that cash flow plan in pay place, so they can uh, really drive new business once they take over. So you know, th this is a very this is a very interesting thing because um, oftentimes we'll run across a business that's being run in a certain way. So maybe there's a, a large amount of operating capital in the business. Maybe the current owner has a lot of their own money tied up in accounts receivable or 
or maybe they have a bank line of credit for their receivables, but the new owner who's buying the business because they may be leveraging you know, purchase financing to a high degree, they may not have access to the same amount of revolving credit, or they may not be able to inject the same level of operating credit that the current owner has, operating capital. And so you could really change the format of how the operating capital works by changing the business model from, from holding the receivables to factoring the receivables mm-hmm. and, and change the, the whole way that, you know, basically lumping off part of the investment. You know, I don't need to make this operating capital investment anymore because from now on, I'm going to be factoring these receivables. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the one thing that, that I will say is that needs to be, you know, determined is if we are like in an example of bringing on the existing owners, do they have liens or UCCs? Um, in, in the U.S., we have, uh, they're mm-hmm. basically liens on on the company. And so we need to determine if that's, they are in place because when you're doing factoring, you the, the funding company, the factoring company needs to be in first lien position, at least on the accounts receivable side of it. So that would be something that can be addressed. We work with banks all the time to, uh, to release the accounts receivable and then the bank will maintain the the lien rights on you know equipment and what other things that they may have securing that that line of credit okay that's that's a great point so if i'm in business and i get a line of credit from the bank or even if i just buy the business and i get a, a bank loan to make the business purchase that chances are in the thick pile of paperwork i've signed in there i've given them the first lien position on everything the business owns. Yeah, pretty Probably. much. I mean, yeah. And it's so funny because I'll have people say, oh man, there's no, there's no lien on my company. And, but you know, I have it secured against a, a piece of land or, you know, something, a CD or something in nine, nine out of 10 times, if almost, I want to almost say 10, as high a number as you can, 99% of the time, that bank's still going to secure um, all asset filing, uh, meaning they're going to cover everything on that business. And so that's fine. When we see that, then we'll just have to work with the banks. One thing that I will say is it is easier for us to work with um, mid to small size banks versus, you know, the big chase Wells Fargo's, you know, the big banks. And because U.S. banks, because they're just not as apt to want to help their customer when it comes to releasing even specific liens or anything. So um, it's very rare that that happens. So the the mid to smaller size banks, much easier. Uh, it also helps a lot of times if they have a good working relationship with their banker. Um, you know. Yeah. It, I, I've, I've run into people with these issues all the time. At the smaller institutions, there's a far higher likelihood that you have a person in there like that manages your account that you yep. can learn their name. And when you call in, it's the same person that talks with you every time. And you can actually have a conversation with them versus a large institution where every time you call in, it's a call center. You know, you, yep. it's, it's, it's hard to pin anyone to actually sit down and talk with you about it. Absolutely. Yep. That's my 12 years. That's been just like the biggest hurdle that we have to overcome is when they're working with these, these bigger banks. Yeah. Um, and so what is the hesitancy on the side of the bank? Is it, is it that they see the receivables as a very liquid kind of collateral that they like to have? Uh, under their control. And and if they do release the AR to you, does that mean sometimes that they might be cutting revolving credit lines or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's a lot of times it's just they don't want to do it. They just don't want to deal with it. It's kind of what I, what I hear the most. They just, hey, that's how it is. And we're not making any changes or exclusions to that, to okay. that line. Yeah. It's just a can of worms they don't want to open. Well, you know, in our conversation a couple of weeks ago, when you and I first met, when we were preparing for today, uh, you had brought up an interesting thing about the number of calls you get from people who've gotten themselves into a little bit of trouble with merchant cash advance. You want to yeah. you want to talk to us a little bit about that and maybe give us some examples of, of some of the problems people have been in and how you've been able to help them out of it? Sure. So, yeah, we we do. We do see people that have uh, their MCA, Merchant Cash Advance. Basically, it's a loan that 
they turn in like a couple months bank statements and then they are turning that money into cash. The thing that people don't realize is that the interest rates are through the roof on them and then you have to repay them typically either daily, which they're pulling money out of your bank account or weekly, again, money out of your bank account. And so what happens is, is if they burn through that initial money that they have paying bills and doing all that stuff, they still have that that coming through their account and it can absolutely have seen it where it is absolutely bankrupt and taken out good companies because they have extended themselves um, and not been able to take out any other funding. So a lot of times where what I'll see is uh, people will call me and they'll say, hey, I'm, I'm doing $100,000 in revenue a month. I, I don't have a line of credit, but I've taken out $80,000 in merchant cash advances. Well, I might be able to buy all $100,000, right? But 80, and I have to do a 90% advance on that. So I'm going to pay basically that uh, lien off. That's not going to be able to um, allow them to, for me to put enough money in their bank account. Plus that money's already kind of spoken for a lot of times that, that we're, they're, they're clearing off. So it's going to be really challenging. However, there are still many, many times where I will see where the, there is enough there is enough money in accounts receivables where we could buy existing to pay that off, to pay that MCA off, and then to cash flow it moving forward and, and kind of take that out of their out of their lives. So, man, it, it's they're just so grateful when that happens, and uh, they uh, they quickly realize that they don't ever want to go down that path again. And uh, but I get it. Sometimes when you need quick cash you're going to do whatever it takes to keep your business afloat at that very moment. And so I, yeah. I, I get the appeal and I understand like how that can be, you know, like, Oh, that, that seems like something that I have to do immediately just to stay afloat. Um, but, you know, factoring, you know, like with us, let's say somebody calls me today. Right. Um, and it's something I, we talk to them. Everything sounds good. I get them out the application and the short list of items we need we typically can get somebody funded in five business days from the time I have the application and invoices to purchase. And then after that, it's the same day that we, we fund them. So they have that consistent cash flow. So, so I think they get so lost that it might take too long, right. To get that in, to get this in place. But the reality is if they work fast and get us what we need, we can move quickly as well. And so it, it doesn't have to be, you know, take the shortcut to, to get that immediate cash need when there are options like us. Yeah. Well, no, I think that's great. And, and if there's anyone out there listening who is a business owner that's gotten into trouble with merchant cash advance, I also had a whole episode about this. We'll put a, we'll put a link here afterwards when we, when we um, are able to make adjustments to the video, but I'll put it in the show notes too. I did an interview a couple of weeks ago with a guy named Kenny Butler, who, who basically has made a whole career out of, helping business owners deal with uh, with this MCA problem. Uh, because you're right, it is a quick fix, but at the end of the day, it's horrendously expensive and it ends up just draining the lifeblood out of a business uh, with these sometimes daily withdrawals that they're taking out of people's bank accounts. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that obviously the, the the one of the greatest things about factoring is just that the, there's no limits to the speed of growth. Like, as you were mentioning before, you know, you could double the sales of your business as long as you can find the customers and you've got the capacity to serve them. You know, you can keep growing, 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 even if you're waiting to be paid because you don't have to, in turn, come up with the extra money to, to finance those receivables that you're going to have on your balance sheet. Um, let's get back to who. Uh, are there any particular industries this you know we mentioned construction but is there anyone else who who really is not a good fit for this yeah i just think another one i touched on would be is somebody that's billing directly to insurance you know those are okay. those are those are very tough um and also business to consumer so if somebody owns a business they're billing consumers again we are we are basing the 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 lending on uh who's paying the invoice and we're not going to go and check credit on on homeowners to see if that would be you know if they'd be viable so so if i wanted to sell receivables to you part of your underwriting process is you would look up 
all of my customers or a sampling of my customers? And then you would go check what, like they're dead in Bradstreet? Like how, how thorough an investigation do you do of my customers? Yeah. So what we're going to do is, yeah, you're going to, what I, what I tell my says, uh, my people is send me your customer list with your addresses and then approximately how much available credit you need with those. The, you know, what the good thing with us is you don't have to factor all your customers. You don't have to have us buy them all. You could say, Hey, I get paid in a week or two weeks or whatever for this customer. I don't need a, to, to, to fund those. No problem. Um, but yes, then we just ask for the ones that they do want to fund and, you know, we just send them, uh, a request into our credit department uh, and basically within usually within an hour or less they'll get me an answer to say yes they're approved for x amount of dollars and uh, you know if there's a cap then we'll know there's a cap too so if I put in a request for two hundred thousand dollars credit um, sometimes I'll see it where that credit comes back at a hundred thousand so I'd say one of the advantages um, with us was is instead of just saying no, you know that uh, to that two hundred thousand. Hey, we have a way that a couple different ways that they can increase that credit total. One would be is we could ask to have them get a bank reference from their customer, and again, a bank reference is just going to show us on average how much is in their customer's account. It's completely kept you know away from our our customer. Um, because you know, by law, we're, we're not gonna tell them exactly what that looks like, but what we can come back and say is, here's how much we can approve additionally with this information. Uh, that's one way. The other way would be is get financials from their customers. Uh, it's probably usually the best way to get the biggest increases to do uh, financials because it'll show the, the true overall picture where a bank reference will show on average but it still doesn't say a defined amount of how much is in their bank account mm. or how much is available on their line of credit it gives a range seven low seven figures mid seven figures you know so again those are kind of vague whereas financials will give us that additional information and you know sometimes people will say oh man i don't want to want to do that mike we get them all the time when that is and, and think about it when businesses are extending credit for new customers or even existing customers, they want to increase it, they'll ask their customers for that information all the time. They just need to kind of yeah. sometimes change that focus on, um, well, instead of being afraid to ask for that stuff, hey, you're providing something for these guys too, right? And so you are value to these to your customer. They should want you to be able to cash flow it, especially if, they're, if you're giving terms, you're essentially becoming their bank on some level. You're kind of floating them on some level because of waiting X amount of days to get paid. It's a, it's a great point. And I think a lot of business owners forget that when, when they're extending credit to these customers, they are lending them money. And, and a lot of people don't follow through to with this idea that, Hey, if I'm lending you money, I should be acting more like a banker, like not being afraid to ask for things like Absolutely. tax returns, financial statements, et cetera. Um, so, so what you're describing then, uh, Kelly is like, if I have a, a line of credit from a bank, they're going to say, here's your limit. You have a certain amount of money. What you're describing is that you set limits for all my customers. You know, I'm, I'm willing to have this much of from a, and this much from B and this much from C. And then over time, if these people bump against these limits, I can go to them and say, Hey, we've reached a limit, but if you want to submit your financial statements, I can get your limit raised. And, and so they definitely have, uh, a reason to want to participate in that because they can get more credit from me, uh, which is actually more credit from you. But all they it would be like any bank that where they want to raise their credit card limit, they're going to be asked some questions. Absolutely, yeah. yeah I just yeah. think that's probably the biggest thing that I see, David, is like people are so kind of scared to say that. But if they just kind of just small tweak in regards to like how they are seeing things, that it it actually. Um, is something that they should be doing more often. Well, this has been great, Kelly. If if people would like to find you and reach out to you or one of your colleagues about mm -hmm. potentially looking at their scenario, what's yeah. what's the easiest way for them to reach you? Yeah, so um, you could reach me. Uh, my direct number is 952-656-3505. Um, and my email is uh, knelson at tcicapital.com. Awesome. And if people just uh, Google TCI Business Capital, they'll find the company website as well. I'm sure prepare easily. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, I, you know, there's a couple other TCIs, but they're not for doing what we're doing. So TCI business capital, they put in factoring, you know, behind it, you know, for sure, okay. they'll for sure find us, but our tcicapital.com is also easy. Awesome. We've got other people here waving their hands and stuff and, and having right. a good time enjoying the conversation. Yeah. And I've enjoyed it too. And I want to thank you very much for coming to uh, to meet with us. And uh, for everyone who's tuned in today, thanks very much for tuning in. And uh, don't forget to hit the thumbs up button and to pass along the link to anyone that you think might be interested in the conversation. That's uh, that's how the audience grows. And uh, so I can continue to have more great uh, great guests like Kelly. Anyway, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Let's uh, special thanks go to today's video sponsor, Mark Willis of Lake Growth Financial. Mark helps people better manage their personal wealth and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and have gotten lots of positive feedback from people I've worked with over the years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find a playlist of all the interviews I've done with Mark and to learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up to arrange a conversation about what this solution might look like for you. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site at davidcbarnett.com. You'll find hundreds of articles and videos all for free. You'll find links to my books and online courses, and you can sign up for my email list and get emails covering topics that interest you and be notified of new videos. This episode of Small Business and Dealmaking is brought to you by smbpodcastnetwork.com. The network is a collection of podcasts and shows from around the internet, which focus on bringing you interviews with amazing guests who share actionable advice, ideas, and information for small and medium-sized business owners and entrepreneurs. Visit www.smbpodcastnetwork.com to find more great shows and easily subscribe to be notified of new episodes. It's a great way to discover quality content. And if you've discovered us today via the network, then I hope you're enjoying the show and will consider subscribing directly so you never miss any one of our great episodes.